That's Lauren. And that's Lachlan. And this is We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Each episode, we're going to reread a chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, and talk about it. It's a deep dive analysis, so it's a little more complex than just talking about it. Okay, fine. No need to go all daughter of Athena on me. Either way, grab your nectar and ambrosia and settle in for this episode of... We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. <laughs> the frick? <laughs> I thought I was going to get to say it this time, and then you started talking. Oh, I just, just I'm sorry, Lachlan. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that was incredible. You know what? Next time, I'll go with it, and we'll be like those creepy twins from The Shining. No, no, no. That's where yes. I draw the line. <laughs> you just got to go with me on it. Nope. All right. Well, I guess you can go. All right. Well, hi. Welcome to another episode uh, of We Accidentally Vaporize Your Podcast. I'm still Lauren. I'm still Lachlan for at least today. Okay. And... No promises about tomorrow. <laughs> and since it's an odd numbered chapter, Lachlan is going to give the summary. Here we go. So, chapter three. Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. I gotta say, once again, Rick is really killing it with these chapter titles. They're just, they just get better and better. Alright, so for the summary itself. Percy ditches Grover at the bus terminal and hops in a taxi to go to his mom's apartment. We meet gross, awful, smelly Gabe, Percy's stepfather, and the lovely, perfect human being that is Sally Jackson. Perfect. She's going to take Percy for a weekend away at a cabin at Montauk. And while at the beach, we get a little bit into information about Percy's bio dad. He left before Percy was born. Percy's mom is going to talk about maybe a camp that he could go to instead of a school. Who knows? Some That could get interesting. And then the chapter ends with Grover showing up at the cabin, being chased by an unknown individual. And if that was enough... Something's a little bit different about Grover from the last time we saw him. Yes, he has apparently Sometimes. taken up stripping as a hobby. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, the chapter title. I This is one of the things I really... I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned it specifically, um, but one of the things I really love about Percy Jackson is no matter how dark everything gets, the chapter titles are always there to brighten everything up. And I know Rick kept that with in the other series from what I've read or what I've heard. But Percy Jackson, it's the OG series, and the chapter titles are so great. Um, and we're not going to talk about how Heroes of Olympus did us dirty by not having any chapter titles, but... <laughs> no, we can say that for like five years from now, whenever we finally get to those books. You we can have that take rant us then. five Let's years? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> But, but like you said, yeah, there's a lot of things that are just so well done about this OG series. The chapter titles being, like, top, top of the list. They are. They are. Um, Percy just ditches Grover. And I love his explanation oh for it. His explanation is, like, Grover was freaking me out. He was muttering stuff like, why does this always happen? Why does it have to be sixth grade? Um, and, like, honestly, mm -hmm. I don't blame Percy. I think I would have ditched Grover also at that point. 
See, I always feel so conflicted about this because, like you said, I totally understand why Percy is so, like, freaked out and wants to get away. But can you imagine the panic poor Grover must have gone through when he came out of the bathroom and couldn't find Percy anywhere? Like, he probably just thought, oh, it's it's happened again. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, the fact that Grover then tracks him down to Montauk. Like, clearly he probably, like, ended up at the apartment and was like, I'm finally at Percy's apartment. Where is he? And then Percy's just not there. And he's like, what okay. the frick? And I, I want to know, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I really want a chapter about per- Grover trying to find Percy. Like, I want to know how he got to Montauk. I love the idea of him showing up to the apartment and doing, like, a hold-up where, like, shoves Gabe up against the walls, like, tell me where they are. Oh, oh, please. Grover would, like, <laughs> knock on the door really nicely and be like, hi, is, um, is Percy here? No, no, he's not. Okay. And then he, like, slowly gets more and more angrier, and then when he gets to, like, Montauk, he's like, where were you? I ran around all day. There were these old ladies, and then there was this other old lady, and people were thinking I was a crazy person running around screaming, where are you, Percy Jackson? <laughs> I can also see that, too, of him just screaming throughout New York, like some serious Stella vibes. Oh, no, but no, Percy. don't mention, no, I hate, I hate Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> I hate Streetcar Named Desire with a burning passion. See, I've never, I don't even know, is that is that a play? I've never it's, experienced it's a play. It. It's a play by Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. I had to read it in English class in, I believe, 11th grade, and I hated it. I hated it so much. When our, like, this theater that's in the town next to us, we'd have to drive past it to get Starbucks, um, which is really, like, white privilege of us. But we'd have to, me and my friends would have to drive past it to get Starbucks when we'd go. And they ended up doing Streetcar Named Desire. And every time we drove past it, we'd stream out um, a bad word and then Tennessee Williams. Um, I'm assuming you know which word I'm thinking about. But we'd scream that at the movie theater, every, at this uh, this playhouse every time we ran past, we drove past it. Because I hate Tennessee Williams. He was an answer to uh, Jeopardy question the other day. And my dad just looked at me and started laughing at me. Because he knows how much I hate Tennessee Williams. See, I think that's really funny because I have truly no understanding of anything about that play beyond just that line. Because my experience with that line is the classic, classic children's movie. Over the Hedge, starring Bruce Willis. <laughs> and the part where Stella the skunk is running away from Tiger the cat, and he shouts after her because she's the love of his life, and he's run- and she's running away from him. Yeah, no, but, I, yeah. I hate that play. Um, I really just hate that play. Um, and we can get into that at a later date. We'll do, like, a whole well, sub-podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole sub-podcast about why I don't like it. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll do a mini-episode mini where you can just rant about things that you hate. I just hate it. All right. <laughs> All right. Getting back to Grover. Anyway. <laughs> Grover losing his pants. Yep. So, Grover, for all we know, is just out somewhere in New York. Meanwhile, Percy is on his way back to his apartment, and we get oh, some also, background. Also, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention this. Um, the reason Percy was able to ditch Grover was because um, Grover, apparently, when he gets upset, his bladder acts up, and he goes oh. to the bathroom. And when I was, like, the first time I read this, I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, he just gets nervous and has to pee. And, like, now that I know stuff, that sounded weird, but now that I know stuff... I'm wondering if he went to the bathroom to I am camp. 
Because he was in the bathroom. He would potentially. What? I, no, I I, th- I like that. I think that's a that's a good idea. Because he went to the bathroom. There's water there. There would have been. He would have had time and privacy. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was probably able to call camp then and be like, "Look, this thing just happened. I need help." Like I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that's what happened. Interesting. I like it, but also nervous bladders are a thing. I don't think people should be ashamed for that. So I, either option, I think, is important and should be respected. Are you saying that as a future medical professional that nervous bladder bladder syndrome is yes. an actual thing? Yes, I am. Okay. Cool. <laughs> no one fact check me on that because I don't feel like doing it right now. <laughs> Just no one fact check us on anything. Ever. 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 <laughs> All right. Can we talk about Sally now? We can talk about Sally now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. This woman. She is an incredible human being, I just want to say. And the way Percy talks about his mom, this 12-year-old boy, at this stage where I feel like most young boys want, like, nothing to do with their parents, but he just, like, completely idolizes her and thinks that she's, he says, like, she's the best person in the world, which proves my theory that the best people have the rottenest luck. So, like, he knows, like, their situation in life is pretty awful, and we learn more about her background, which also is, like, not the best in life she's had some pretty bad blows and things that she's had to deal with her parents and die in a plane crash parents died in a plane crash which, she had to which is one of those like of did zeus know something <laughs> or is that just like a happy accident not a happy yeah, well, accident but like weird air things weird air things but like i'm wondering yeah. if like zeus knew like oh <laughs> this is gonna happen in the future or if poseidon was just like Wait a minute, your parents were in a plane crash? Well, I obviously, I feel bad for you because, you know, I know who caused that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he slept with her to make up for it, even though that sounded like what I was implying. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those, like, weird things that's like, really, that's, that's, uh, it just doesn't make sense. So, after that horrible tragedy, she wanted to you know, put herself through school she's trying to live her life do her thing and then her uncle who apparently didn't really care about her got cancer so she spent all the money she'd saved trying to take care of him and then he dies as i assume a consequence of said cancer and she's left with nothing all of her money is gone she doesn't make family left she never was able to finish school and she just has to like figure it out all on her own, which I think says a lot about her as well and how resourceful she is to be able to have gone through all these things in her life and still be as positive as she is. Like, clearly she's a positive influence on Percy's life. And so she's able to not let all these things get her down and influence the way that she looks at the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, Sally, Sally is awesome for a multitude of reasons and her, Mm -hmm all you're saying is only a part of why she's awesome. She's also just a kind and caring mother. She's always there for Percy. She never judges him. She mm-hmm. puts up with so much for him, but also she is a, can we say badass? We're going to say badass. She's a badass. <laughs> she, yeah, she is. She truly you, is. You learn this later on, even later on in the series, how much she kicks butt and she's mm-hmm. an awesome person, but she's just, she's kind of scary. I mean, <laughs> It's kind of scary how amazing she is. Mm-hmm. No, she's fantastic. 
No, no, no complaints here. 10 out of 10. No complaints. No complaints. <laughs> no notes. My uh, notes were just, Sally is the best. Honestly, I think that's all you really need when talking about her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's all Percy ever wants you to say about his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with this, he also talks about how one of the first really good things in her life was when she met Percy's dad, which is the first time that we've heard about this guy. But we don't really get a lot here. Just that Percy kind of remembers his smile and that their relationship was a secret and like, like, so, oh, forbidden romance. Like how romantic and steamy that must have been. No. Um, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm leaving it that. I'm leaving it that. And then one day he goes to sail across the ocean on some important trip and never comes back. And the way Percy talks about his dad here and these memories are so like wistful and longing. And like even with how his mom says that his dad was lost at sea, not dead, lost at sea, which gives this idea that he's not really gone and maybe one day he'll come back for them, which is just, it's so sad, <laughs> but like, so, but like weirdly hopeful at the same time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always, well, that, I mean, but it also say. sounds yeah. a little like, why would I need that guy when I got Sally Jackson as my mom? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying Sally needs a man. Sally but I can also say from Percy's perspective of why he feels like part of himself is missing if that's all he has. Because it also says that Sally has no pictures of this guy at all. So like Percy doesn't even know really what he looks like. He could look in a mirror. And, oh my god. <laughs> but I think that's, that's something that a lot of people go through that have lost a parent at a very early age this feeling like you're missing part of yourself or information that you've always wanted but you never will get because either doesn't exist anymore or the surviving parent it hurts too much for them to talk about it and and even if they do talk about it there's only so much you can learn from just hearing about them Mm -hmm. especially like 12 years later yeah 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 this part always makes me a little bit sad <laughs> but anyway back to sally being yeah sally being off. awesome <laughs> only happy vibes here only and those all revolve around here. sally unfortunately we can't talk about sally right now without talking about smelly gate i know i know uh the there complete is. 180 yeah. that is pulled here between how he talks about Sally and then how he talks about Gabe is just incredible writing. There is, in there is nothing good about Gabe that you can say. No. No, there really isn't. <laughs> I just, and the way he talks about him too, is like, when I was a kid, I nicknamed him Smelly Gabe. The guy reeked like moldy garlic pizza wrapped in gym shorts. <laughs> Like already, what a what a terrible jumping off point for a person. Especially when we know that Percy will say good things about people when there are good things to be said. Yeah. Like Percy, <laughs> he he won't he's never mean to anyone like just to be mean to them. Um, yeah. so you know if he's saying something bad about someone, it's because it's one hundred percent true. And even later on in the series, there's times where like someone will do something and he'll be mad at them and he'll still like try to point out some good or something because he's an awesome person because he was raised by the best woman ever. 
Oh, yeah. But there truly is just, just nothing saving this man here. It's just all awful. It is all awful. 100%. All right. Yeah. So he gets home. Percy gets home. First time that he's been back since Christmas. And the first thing Gabe has to say is, so you're home? Like, cool. Nice to see you, too. <laughs> like, just the least enthusiastic greeting from a semi-parental figure. Yeah. Just like, oh, you're here. Oh. That sucks. Like, oh, great. Now I guess I need to, like, maybe curse a little bit less. Ugh. <laughs> uh, and then he, like, tries to, like, shake Percy down for some money. Like, this this boy's 12 years old, and you want him to fund your gambling problem. Yeah, that's... I mean, everything he does is terrible. But that's just a little... That's just slimy and we and wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean... And on top of the gambling, there's beer. Or as Percy likes to say, always beer. And it seems like there's some other issues that come from that. Which, in my opinion, Rick is aware, you know, this is a children's book. You gotta keep things a little bit PG. But there are some clear signs to me that there is some physical abuse going on in this house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Specifically this portion. Whenever I was home, he expected me to provide his gambling funds. He called that our guy secret, meaning that if I told my mom, he would, quote, punch my lights out. And as we've discussed, you know, with Percy, he's pretty chill about describing things. You know, he's pretty realistic, honest, tells it like it is, doesn't really exaggerate anything. And so when he says that phrase, to me, that is him saying that he has dealt with physical abuse from Gabe. Like, pretty cut and dry. Oh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I agree there. I, I mean, the last time I actually really read this was probably, uh, I forget what I said. Uh, it's been a while since I've actually, like, read this and not just skimmed through when rereading. So I never... I don't think I've ever read this at a time where I would understand uh, the extent of what Percy was going through. So it's interesting. I mean, it's terrible, but it's interesting to read it now and like fully understand what they were, what uh, Percy is heavily implying, but not explicitly saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think again, it was that fine line of how do you show what this kid has been going through, but still keep it appropriate for young readers. I think this was like, the best medium road that Rick could find. But I think that's something I've seen a lot in the fandom discussing about it. So it's not, I promise it's not just me making it up. Yeah, um, no, it is, it is definitely this not. This is like a pretty big topic of discussion. Yeah, no, this is definitely something that people regularly talk about it and regularly uh, discuss and uh, mm-hmm. try and figure out the, ex- the full extent of it. And I know everyone has their different theories. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and beyond the physical, there's also a lot of, like, clearly controlling manip- manipulative behavior where, like, Percy's not allowed to keep the money that he had brought home from school with him, where Gabe's like, you paid for the taxi with the 20, you probably still have six or seven bucks, right? Like, you need yeah. to give it to me. And then even just the um, the fact that Percy's bedroom becomes Gabe's study and he destroys mm-hmm. it while Percy's gone. So, like, even his, everything that he owns, essentially, is destroyed by Gabe when he's Mm -hmm. away at school. So he doesn't really feel like he has a home, probably. 
yeah, like he doesn't really have anywhere in this apartment to call his own because everything is just covered in Gabe. Yeah. That's a really gross phrase. It it is. <laughs> yeah. It also makes me so angry every time where when that exchange is happening between Gabe and Percy of Gabe trying to take his money, the building superintendent is there at this poker game and is clearly bothered by what's going on. But he's but not saying doesn't anything. Do anything. Like he just lets it happen. And like that just oh god, I hate that so much. Like if you see something, do something about it. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Gross, gross, gross. Mm-hmm. After but that then, awkward pause. Then we're back. Yes. We're back to Sally. <laughs> Sally shows up. <laughs> Sally shows up and saves everything. And and as Percy describes it, when she, he sees her, his fears melt away. She just makes everything better. Yep. It's perfect. And I also think it's really interesting here. One of the first things he talks about is how she comes home from her job at the candy store, smelling like the best things in the world, chocolate, licorice, and all the other stuff she sold at the shop. Which and I so will agree. Cutting... I will agree that chocolate is the best thing in the world, but licorice, really, Percy? Really? <laughs> I'm a little ashamed of him. Well, I mean, I hate most things, so I also just like licorice, but I think that's just a me problem, so. But chocolate, chocolate is amazing. Today, I it's ate um, a dark chocolate heart that was filled with marshmallow. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. That sounds pretty great. It was what? amazing. I have like a three pound bag of M&M's in my closet that I'm saving for when school starts to help me get through it. You need it. You need it. Honestly, you really do. All those late night studies. But anyway, um, what I wanted to point out with her like smelling all these great things is we're cutting from Percy talking about all the horrible descriptions of the Gabe smell. And we're going from like something disgusting that Percy feels uncomfortable around, unsafe around, cutting to Sally and these smells that make him feel comfortable and safe and like he's at home. And I think that's an interesting like dichotomy to have. And I think also something that we should potentially track because I, that will come around again in the future of the way people smell and how that makes Percy feel comfortable or uncomfortable and is reflective of his relationships with people. Yeah, scents play a large role, and I think it's part—it's partially because of um, the content of the way that scents are used. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that comes up again. Um, and it's one of those, I can't tell if that's a recurring theme, or if that's just something Rick uses to move the plot. Oh, I can think of one very specific thing in book four, but I will not spoil it for now. Now I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> The fact that you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. I I think I know a lot of things about our about our friendship. I think I know what we're talking what you're talking about, but I'm also we'll, not one hundred. We'll 100- discuss off mic. <laughs> we, yeah, we will discuss off mic later. Off mic, we don't want to spoil. Well, you know what? We'll but do, I we'll... imagine that if anyone else listening has read all the way through, then they probably know exactly what I'm referring to. And if you know what she's referring to, please tell me so I know what she's referring to. <laughs> There we go. All right, let me pick back up with... Percy lying to his mother. Oh my god, yes. 
Like, she knows. She's such a good mom. She knows that something is up. And she's not pushing him. Mm-hmm. Because she, she is a hashtag good mom. She is. <laughs> she, yeah. She just, oh. She's just like, you know what? We'll talk later at Montauk where you're comfortable. Because, spoiler alert, we're going to Montauk. Yeah. So then, of course, Gabe has to come back around by being mad that they're going to go on this trip. And once again, controlling abusive behavior. He controls the money in the house. You really need to go on this trip. Yeah, yeah. Is the money coming out of your clothes budget? So he he clearly controls the money in the house and then dictates what uh, Mm -hmm. Sally can spend on what. So he controls her through that. It is another way that he can control her, uh, in, which is, yeah, no. Sometimes yeah. I don't know how to answer. No, and again, like, as we'll see, like, they only have his car, which, while they are in New York City, it does somewhat limit her transportation and her ability to go anywhere or potentially get away. True, but that's, like that. but that's also a... Uh, I don't know what the correct term would be. Not like, like geographical. New York City. Yeah. Um, If you live in an apartment in New York City, it is in a way a waste to own a car. Um, Depending on where you live. It is. In the context of the situation as a whole, it is another factor. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, But like I have people who just moved up a block from me and they don't own a car because they just moved from the city Um, Mm -hmm. and they never needed one there. Um, of course, we're in the middle of suburbia, so you need one now, but <laughs> it's one of those things, like, when you live there, having a car can mm-hmm. sometimes be more of a hindrance. And I'm not saying that yeah. they don't have a car. I'm not saying it's not in a way that he can control them more, but I'm saying that there's also another reason that they might only have one car. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if there was a conversation where she wanted to get a car and he said no. Yes, uh, that would also but not we, surprise me. We can leave it at that We can now. leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, we also get another moment of Percy just just desperately wanting to protect his mom, hating this guy and not understanding why he and Sally are in a situation where you know Gabe is being all like, what is the word? I guess I just keep coming back to gross because honestly, Dickish? that's the only word I can think of to describe him. Yeah, but Gabe wants Percy to apologize for interrupting his poker game. And Which, Percy does it in the perfect way. Uh, yes. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I interrupted your incredibly important poker game. Please go back to it right now. And then I love the line of his tiny brain was probably trying to detect sarcasm in my statement. But he just can't because he's so dumb. He is. Oh. And then and then they go to Montauk. Well, no. First, first... They Gabe threatens him if you destroy if you uh Well even even before that even before that, Sally mentions how when they get to Montauk, she and Percy are gonna have a talk about whatever's bothering him. And he says that for a moment he sees the same anxiety in her eyes that he saw in Grover's on the bus ride. Cause so Cause he Sally knows, knows something's going on. Because he knows that they know he knows. But they don't know that he knows they know he knows. And he also doesn't fully know what he knows. I'm, I'm a little upset you didn't appreciate my friend's reference there. 
I mean, it's been a while. <laughs> they don't know. We know. They know. We know. No, oh. my brain can't keep up with that. <laughs> it's one of the greatest episodes, in my opinion, at least. My main memory of Friends is just pivot, pivot, <laughs> pivot. <laughs> Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying about Gabe when they're at the car. Oh, yes. So Gabe says something along the lines of, if you get a scratch on that, I'll kill you. Um, and Percy thinks, I'm not driving, I'm 12, which is awesome. Um, and then Percy, and then, so Gabe walks back to the apartment. Percy does this thing and they never mention it ever again which is one of those things that i was always really upset about as a kid i remember like being upset that this happens and then they never talk about it again and it never goes past the first book they never bring it up again and it's just here and nowhere else but percy makes this hand gesture this sort of warding off evil a clawed hand over his art and then shoving it towards gabe and the screen door slams shut Wax Gabe in the butt and Simpson flying up the staircase. And then they never talk about it ever again. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's weird. Do, 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 do. Gotta go on vacation with my mom. I'm not gonna yeah. worry about anything happening to me. Like, they don't even, and they don't even mention the gesture ever again. They don't mention, like, oh, yeah, that's a. I think, I ancient... think there's one more at the beginning of Sea of Monsters. But, really? But this, this reaction of it causing a physical thing to happen is never mentioned again yeah like is it percy has a lot of extra power or is it just percy's anger manifests or is like mm -hmm. some god like watching and is like you know it'd be really really <laughs> funny right now and they don't even mention I like, I like that idea <laughs> yeah and they don't even mention like oh this is something that like ancient greek um it was like an ancient greek uh um ah words it's like a little um like curse uh, yeah like a little curse or hex um that you do sort of like you know how catholics though it's something to happen and they cross themselves like is this just something that people do as a way to like ward off evil no they never explain it they just it happens this time gabe gets shot across the hallway and they never mention it again <laughs> or they mention it once and i was just always so angry as a child because this would have been so cool and this would have been one of those things that you could see them physically do in a movie you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that could be like a little thing that they Those do hilarious to watch exactly and also it would be really cool to watch them like before each battle like do this little thing for good luck like instead of like everybody hands in like no we're gonna like do this or like it would be really funny if like in the middle of like the biggest battle ever percy was just like hey remember that thing i did as a kid and like does it and then like the evil guy gets knocked flat on his ass and like runs away you can't see me but i'm like continuously every time i mention doing this uh hand gesture i end up doing it um <laughs> or what i think it should vaguely look like based off the, the description <laughs> Sorry, I got really heated over that one. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. I mean, we we all have our things that we we hold on to. So this, my anger as a child <laughs> is coming out right now. <laughs> well, moving on from that, so Percy starts to talk about their cabin on Long Island. It sounds you know, like pretty 
run down, old. There's always sand and spiders everywhere and now, inside, have, and the sea is too cold. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. and I've I've actually fun fact been to Montauk. Mm-hmm. Um, my my grandparent. It's Montauk is on Long Island in the Hamptons area, and my grandparents uh, they own a house, not in Montauk but in a town next to it. So we've when there wasn't a national pandemic going on. When we've gone out there, we've, like, gone to dinner in Montauk. We've gone to the Montauk Lighthouse. Um, so it's just one of those things that, as a kid, I never put two and two together. Then, like, a couple years later, I was there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're in Montauk. This is the coolest thing ever. Um, but it's it's interesting how Percy describes it, because I know there are definitely parts of Montauk that look like that, but Montauk is also, because it's in the Hamptons, there is a lot of parts of it where it is giant houses, restaurants, where it's, like, $60 for... A lobster it's so it's very different it's very interesting how they managed to find like the one uh place where it, they could afford it and you notice that they'll instead of going out to long, out to eat they'll make their own fire it's their own way to save money because out there you might not be able to find a restaurant um where you where they could afford to eat so it might be something that like sally has to think about like do we want to go out to dinner in montauk um or do we want to? Or do we want to stay at this house on the beach? Which one can we afford? Mm-hmm. I imagine that Gabe also just barely gave them enough money to cover gas there oh. and back. Oh yeah, as well. And that's a good from New York City. That's a good. Uh, I honestly have no idea how long the drive is. It's um, <laughs> my parents always drive, and I sit in the back and like so helpful. I thought you were an expert on it. It's this. usually, like, at least one movie to get there. And then you hit certain points, and it's just traffic. Um, but yeah, it's usually at least Honestly, one movie, that, or, like, four episodes of Scooby-Doo. That measure of time makes so much sense. Oh, exactly! Like, as a child, like, like, we watch movies in the car, and that, that's how you measure how far it is. Like, how many movies can I watch between here and the destination? Exactly. Like, I, I to get to my work right now, um, my measurement is it takes me one song to get to work. And sometimes, depending on the song, it takes a little bit less or a little bit more, but it generally takes one song. Like, that's how I measure things sometimes. Like, um... I, I had that down to a science when I was in my sophomore housing at school. I could listen to exactly two songs to get from my dorm to, like, my first class in the morning, so I always, like, very carefully curate which two songs it was gonna be, so I could, like, have the mood for the day ready to go. Nice! But, I mean, that's how, that's how everyone measures Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. How how many songs, how many movies, how how many many episodes of What's New (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Exactly. Exactly, because time is just a construct that exists because the government and the the uh, United Nations tells us that it exists. The only thing that really exists is what's new Scooby-Doo, music, and TV sh- and uh, movies. That's how you can really tell how uh, the passage of life goes. I think that was really beautiful, and I'm really glad that you shared that with, with all of us. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but back to Percy. Back to Percy. I just think it's really interesting how he talks about how rundown and kind of sad-looking it is. But he, like, absolutely loves it. This idea that he doesn't need anything fancy in life to be happy. He just needs time with his fantastic mom and away from the people that judge him or the things that, like, make his life hard. That's and, like, he's a simple boy. That's because Percy Jackson is the best. And the only reason he's not the best is because Sally Jackson is the best and he's only the best. 
you know, there, there was a slight difference there. Can someone please start keeping track of the number of times we say Percy Jackson is the best or the greatest or insert other adjective here? Yeah, we'll have to make sure and we'll have to do that. Or if someone else wants to do that for us. That'd be great. We would appreciate it. <laughs> I also think it's interesting as they're driving towards Montauk, he says that Sally starts to look younger and years of worry and work are disappearing and her eyes even turn the color of the sea. So there's something really special about this place to her which is kind of interesting so far all we really know is that they've been going there forever but his dad also disappeared at sea so you think that going to the ocean would be like kind of sad for her except except it's mentioned a little bit later that the reason that they go to this specific beach in montauk is because this is where they met and let's talk math here for a quick second um, mm-hmm. because, uh, who, where is it? Somewhere. Oh, yes. Page 38 in my edition. Mm-hmm. Sally says, he was only with me for one summer, Percy, right here at this beach, this cabin. Which, first of all, yep. romantic. Second of all, mm-hmm. mathematically impossible. <laughs> because Percy's that birthday. Percy's birthday is August. And I also share an mm-hmm. August birthday. And... Yeah. Anyone who's ever been alive has definitely counted back to figure out, you know. Mm-hmm. So Percy could not have been born in August if they only knew each other in the summer. Maybe they have a different definition of summer. And what's a different definition of summer? <laughs> it would have had to be. What, what, what month would that have to be? December or November. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. I know. <laughs> And it's also, like, that begs the question, what were you doing at the beach in December, November, December? Especially in New York. Yeah. Like, I could see if you went down to Florida, you know, and you're, and you're from the north, and that feels a lot warmer, but, oh my god. Yeah, I, and though we do know that, um, that Rick has some math problems, as shown mm-hmm. by the later books. Oh, I have a rant already written on my computer and saved about math in the future. I'm not even lying right now. <laughs> but it's just, it just it's another thing that annoys me. That's like, I, I mean, as much as we talk about how Rick's a great writer and his foreshadowing is amazing and the little things come back and we love that. He also- The math. The math really gets him. <laughs> the math really gets him. <laughs> it's always comes back to math. Though I do, I must say, I love the idea of- Sally Jackson in the 90s with like a cool outfit like roller skating down the boardwalks you know she had to have roller skated like that's just that's just my headcanon of her yes a hot young woman living her life (laughs) Sally Jackson everyone I'm a sim for Sally Jackson (laughs) (laughs) Sally Jackson you're welcome everyone yeah, but I also love um, in this section we learn about the blue food. Which, yes, if you know anything about Percy Jackson, you know about the orange T-shirts and the blue food. Yes, I I made my mom make me a blue birthday cake one year. Oh, she forgot to put the blue food coloring in. <laughs> <laughs> so I had blue icing, and then the next year I had a blue birthday cake. There you go. It was it's just one of those I... things. My favorite color has always been blue, like, my whole life. And when I read this series, I felt so justified in that. 
purple all the way. And it will never ever stray. I'm I'm a huge purple fan, so I got very conflicted uh, when they got into the second series. Oh, well, don't spoil anything now. You keep your purple thoughts to yourself, you traitor. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, this whole concept of the blue food is something that Sally did as a way for her and Percy to rebel together against Gabe. Of like, you know, he said, like, blue food is impossible, but she wanted to prove to Percy that anything can be possible. You can do whatever you want in life. You can make anything better, and any food can be blue. Exactly. And Percy describes like that to help like, keep him motivated and encouraged. Yes, yes. And Percy describes this as, um, her as, as uh, Percy describes this as his mom's rebellious streak, which is awesome. And then he mentions that he has one too, and that continuously pops up. Like he. He knows that, like, you know, a lot of stuff is out of his control, and he knows that there is something happens, sometimes stuff happens, and it happens, but he also knows when to fight back, and when to be like, no, 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 this isn't fair, no, this isn't right, no, you're wrong, and food can be blue. And he never says that exact phrasing, but there's a lot of times where all I can think of, all I, I'm just imagining him sitting there or standing somewhere, something's happening, and he's thinking, you know what, food can be blue. And I can do this. That's so beautiful. I love that. But yeah, I just I just love that his he does credit his like rebellious streak to her, and that's something that the two of them share in life. They're Which just, is, they're so cute. Exactly. Which is awesome because this is something that like this is his first time mentioning his rebellious streak and admitting mm-hmm. to it, and he can attributes attributes it to his mom, especially because later on in the series it becomes mild spoiler alert. It becomes where he continuously, throughout the books, repeats the phrase, this sea does not like to be restrained. Which is another way of mm-hmm. saying, you know, he's rebellious, he doesn't like to be constricted, he wants to be, he wants to yeah. do whatever he wants. And you gotta remember that as much as that's Poseidon, it's Sally too, because there's a reason Poseidon likes Sally. Spoiler yeah. alert if you didn't know who Percy's father was. <laughs> well, I think that's a big issue that Percy is going to deal with throughout the rest of the series of always being compared to his father once he learns who that is. And so it's important for him and for us to be able to see all these connections back to Sally and see that at his core, he is Sally's boy. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And continuing on about his father, um, his mom says that his father would have been proud of him and would want him to go to a special summer camp, which I, I love Sally, but that's, like, the worst thing to really say in that situation. Just, like, here you yeah. are admitting that you're feeling, like, hopeless, and you're feeling all this stuff in your life, and you're not really comfortable, and you want to stay close to me, and I'm telling you, your father, who left before you were born, um, wants you wanted you to go to a special summer camp, but never wanted to stick around. Um, yeah. And then says, like... It might mean saying goodbye to you for good. And I and I love Sally, and Sally can do no wrong, but she kind of did wrong here. Just her explanation here <laughs> of this is it just so weird. Her. What? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Talking about it in the sense is weird. I think using the term special is also hard, because obviously she there aren't a lot of good choices for her word choice at this point. Yeah. But thinking about... Percy's, Actually, I, I am wrong know, learning here. disabilities, the word I, special does have a certain connotation and not always a great connotation. All right, I, I will admit, I am I, I was wrong here. Sally did not say special. Sally said that your father would have wanted me to send you somewhere 
And then Percy says special school, and Sally says not a school, a summer camp. So I, I am wrong there. Um, she did not oh say God, special summer camp. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and now I look like an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. And everything you said was right. And also, you got to look at the way Percy was the one who brought the word mm -hmm. special into it. So he has yep. been continuously told, oh, you're going to be in a special class, or oh, you're going to be in a special mm -hmm. school. And. Here he thinks his mom is saying it without really saying it, but he but he's sort of thinking, well, I know what you're not saying here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like that terminology is also super common. Time we think about like special education or like special classrooms for students. This idea to make it like it's very flowery language that is not really helpful in the sense of like what it's being used for, and it's a lot of times making children who are in the situations feeling like, further outcasts than they already are, especially among their peers. Yes, yes. And so when Percy hears this term, this camp, his automatic thought is, oh, it's another place to send off people like me because no one knows how to deal with me, and I'm just a terrible person that's going to be sad forever. Aw, uh, Percy. Poor Percy. Weird, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, during this, Percy also talks about how when he was in the third grade, a man in a black trench coat stalked him on the playground, um, and then he was kicked <laughs> off school property, but no one ever believed when Percy said that he only had one eye. And here's the thing, because, like, that mm -hmm. could be either one of two things. That could either be a monster about to kill Percy, or, like, trying to find a, a monster, trying to find, like, a demigod or whatever, spoiler alert, or it could be Poseidon sending one of his followers oh because if you remember they're gonna mention mm -hmm. this very much later on that certain i don't want to certain creatures creatures work <laughs> in his palace 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> so is that poseidon sending mm -hmm. one of those to check up on him or is that a monster trying to find a demigod yeah no, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that little bit as a positive, as a potentially positive thing before. So that, that's a very interesting point to bring up. Well, seeing as he didn't kill Percy, it is everything where Percy doesn't die is a positive. <laughs> yeah, so you have that. And then you have when he strangled a snake as a toddler that tried to get into his bed while he was at school. Which is a callback to which mythological hero? Woohoo! Yes! <laughs> there we go. Lachlan gets a brownie. Woo! All right. And then he also says that in every single school, something is happening. He's been forced to move. So, thinking about earlier, where he said he's been in six schools in six years, maybe all of these things weren't actually his fault that he got kicked out. Maybe there's always been some other weird thing going on that he didn't get blamed for because maybe. Everyone else, similar to Mrs. Dodd's thing, they didn't see what happened. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. But I also think it's interesting, um, while Percy and his mom are talking about this camp, and she says that she has to send him away, and that how it's all for his own good, Percy says, oh, because I'm not normal. With that callback to his discussion with Mr. Brunner back at Yancey, of how no one really knows what to do with him, He's not normal, but he doesn't see how that's a good thing. And just the struggles that he's going through, how he just feels so isolated that everyone around him that he thinks cares about him 
can't really relate to him and they're trying to say all these things but no one uses the right words but he knows he's not safe he knows he's not normal he knows he's not safe but no one tells him how being not normal is good or what this danger is from that everyone's trying what this danger is that everyone's trying to protect him from yeah so it's like everyone cares about him but no one can say it in a way that makes him understand and i just really feel for him with that yeah it's he's going through a tough time Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he feels like, and he's kind of validated in that feeling that no one understands what he's going through. Even though there are people who understand, he just hasn't mm-hmm. found them yet. Yeah. Because yeah. he hasn't been allowed to find them yet. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, all these memories from his childhood are making him think about what happened with Mrs. Dodds again and how he feels like there's still something going on with that. And he wants to tell Sally. But, but he says he thinks that telling her would end their trip, and he doesn't want to do that. And I'm just screaming at the page, tell her, talk to your mom, tell yeah, her what's going on. I, I, I think I would have done the same thing. Uh, I mean, the beach is awesome. Yeah. I want to stay at the beach as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And then... But just... Uh, so, so once they finally <laughs> finish their conversation, they go to sleep, and Percy has a dream mm-hmm. about an eagle and a horse fighting and eventually he wakes Mm up and you don't really see the resolve or end of that fight but what i find interesting is that the eagle when he wakes up it looks like the eagle is winning yeah like the eagle's definitely going in for the kill and this is also he says it's a very vivid dream which is going to become a theme of every single book in the series possibly every book that rick writes within this whole world of vivid dreams have meaning we don't know what the meaning is yet but looking back on it it's pretty obvious exactly (laughs) i I do love how like all the dreams are just deus ex machinas they're just like oh you need to know something here's a dream because cell phones don't work yep um yeah so between you have the horse and the eagle and you also very important to note there's something or someone below the earth which is encouraging the animals to continue to fight and to fight harder yes as well yes which is very important to remember because mm-hmm. that comes in later. and in that everybody <laughs> yes um so percy wakes up there's a hurricane and hurricanes don't usually happen this earlier in the season so he's Once like again crazy ocean and weather happenings that we've seen this whole time exactly so weird stuff going on exactly and then who shows up Grover! Grover! <laughs> Grover! He shows up. I, I honestly, I couldn't even take notes anymore at this point. It was just, this happened, this happened, this happened. Oh my god, so many things are happening. It's the last two pages, but so much happens. Grover shows up. <laughs> it seems like his mom and Grover know each other. And mm-hmm. Grover is like angry at him like what are you doing and his mom is like what didn't you tell me and percy's like why are you ganging up on me um so percy finally explains um to his mom after grover speaks ancient greek and percy understands understands (laughs) and percy spends like a page and a half not saying what grover's legs are yep (laughs) he finally explains to his mom she's like angry but also terrified and she's like get in the car we're leaving and percy's just like okay mom whatever you say um and then the reveal he doesn't have feet 
because he has cloven hooves. Whoa! Which I, I will say, one of the things I love there is the fact that he specifies that they're cloven hooves and not just regular hooves. Yes, that is very important. And obviously we'll get more about that. But not only the cloven hooves, he also is trotting, shaking his shaggy hindquarters. Which... And that's why, you know, he may walk a little bit weird, but he can run like nobody's business, which Cause... is why he's always first that enchilada line. Exactly. And I'd like to point out that this is first Percy's, I once said Percy's, this is Percy's first time really seeing something from the Greek world and seeing it for a prolonged period of time and not just like, oh, this guy might have had one eye or, oh, I think I saw my math teacher turn into a demon. Like, no, this is the first time he's really seeing and interacting with mm -hmm. something from that world. And it's his best friend. And he's got hindquarters and hooves. And he's... And the fact that he's been hiding this from you and he's just right in front of you and he's tracked you all the way to Montauk and your mom is just accepting this and he's saying that there's something behind you coming for you. I mean, that's a lot to process for Percy right now. And it's like, whatever time, it's probably like 2 a.m. because they were sleeping or something and nothing good happens after 2 a.m. So it's probably 2 a.m. and this is happening and Percy's just like, okay, I'll get in the car. I yeah. mean... You can also like tell that... Sally has been preparing for this. We don't, we still don't really know what this is, but she's ready because she immediately accepted what Grover said. She heard the words, he's right behind me, looked at Percy, what didn't you tell me? I know something's going on. And just immediately, like, in action mode, like, we gotta go and right now. We're not sticking around. She's not gonna ask Grover more information. She trusts everything Grover just said and just, like, it's go time. Exactly. And this is gonna. Well, I'll, I'll talk more about this. Hopefully I'll talk more about this. I don't forget about this. But I kind of wonder is if Sally chose this um, beach to keep going to, not just because it reminds her of Poseidon, but also I love how we've just given up on hiding the fact that it's Poseidon. I don't know what you mean by we. This is all you. Yeah, man. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is all you. <laughs> I'm sorry. The fact that she met Percy's dad here, but the location is close enough to somewhere else where she could get from point A to point B while being chased very quickly. So I'm wondering if that was also like, just in case something happens, I want to be close. And that's why she never left New York, despite knowing maybe going further away would be safer. But being here means being close to somewhere else where Percy would could 100% be safe. Yeah. I love. That's interesting. So that's a complaint that I've seen before of, well, why do they stay in New York? Obviously, this isn't far enough, but I think that's a good point of you got to get to a certain undisclosed location. Yeah, and this is a good <laughs> way to get, get close there. Far. Exactly, and this is a good way to get close there. And also, it might, be, it might be something as simple as logistically and financially, they could live there, but moving wouldn't... It would be harder to move than it would be to stay there. It could also be something like that. Or it could just be mm -hmm. Rick needing them to be in a specific location. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And that was this well, chapter. Oh, that, no, you yeah, that something? wraps up chapter three. Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. Sorry, was I interrupting and... your final thought? Oh, no, no, no. No, but just unexpectedly, it sure was. Yes. <laughs> Overall, yep. this was this was a great chapter. And this is, 
I mean, I'm going to say this probably for every chapter and every book, but this is a turning point. This is where Percy yeah. starts to interact with the the Greek world, and he meets it for the first time. He really meets it for the first time. And yeah, exactly. next chapter is going to be awesome. I mean, <laughs> not really for Percy. It's going to yeah. suck I for mean, Percy. Not really. This is a very sad chapter we're about to get into. But by the for, end of it. But for us, it, I feel like it's going to be an awesome chapter. And it's going to be interesting yeah. to see like if when the action goes up, if we're going to have more or less to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting flow so far because we had the first chapter where everything was pretty normal and then all of a sudden something happens. And chapter two is there's a lot going on, but not in a way that you really get at first. So it seems like a pretty lull, like, moment with not a lot's going on and then we get chapter three where all of a sudden things are happening again stuff's happening and from here on it's pretty so it's, a good, it's, a good pace. it's a little it's a little fast but very good pace and this is and we talked about this i think in the first episode about the pacing of these books especially the first book how it takes not i don't want to say so long because that has a negative connotation to it but it takes a good amount of time before you get into it get into mm-hmm. like the greek mythology greek mythology world and even understanding the title of the book so i really love the pacing of this one mm-hmm. all yeah, right well it's, it's definitely a great starter it is it is all right well that was an awesome chapter uh thank you for listening to lachlan and i ramble on for almost an hour woo woo we really gotta learn how to time ourselves it's you know i think it's fine i'm having a good time you're having a good time who cares yes. about the rest <laughs> And we hope that everyone else is having a good time. Yes, yes, we do, of course, hope that you're having a good time as well yeah, with us. It's not just about us. It's not just about us. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. We'll see about that. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see you guys next time for Chapter 4, My Mother Teaches Me Bullfighting. Oh, because I once wish... again, Sally is a badass. Sally is the best. Yes. <laughs>